What you are hearing is the group crossing over the Missouri River, which is the longest river in North America, stretching 2,341 miles. The group traveled together for a total of 40 hours, traveling from Bloomington to North Dakota and back. Oh, I didn't know we'd be in mountain time zone. So that's better because the, we'll be there earlier than we thought. My name is Dylan Williams, and I'm a freshman, and I'm majoring in English, the focus in creative writing, while minoring in philosophy. My name is Natalia Kuzbiel. I am also a freshman, and I am majoring in human biology and sociology. My name is Maggie Gates. I'm a freshman, and I'm majoring in environmental and sustainability studies. My name is Ariane Kelly, and I am also a freshman. I am majoring in journalism and minoring in studio art and design. My name is Rachel Dela. I'm also a freshman, and I'm an exploratory major. The idea of this trip came to freshman Natalia Kuzbiel just two weeks before at the Hoosier Climate March. There was a speaker at the end of the march. His name was Chief Michael Vargas, and he's a Native American chief, and he spoke of how environmental injustice, it correlates directly with social injustice. So after hearing about the pipeline on social media, we decided that fall break is our only chance. Within two weeks of tabling and gathering donations, the group got funding from Collins Living Learning Center and were able to make the trip a reality. We constantly had in our minds that this is what we want to do, this is the right thing to do, and we're going to do it. When we got there, everybody was very welcoming, so it made the drive completely worth it. As we entered, there was a road that led us into the campground, and it was completely surrounded with flags of different tribes from all over the states. The unity of the tribes was, you could just feel it. There's over 200 tribes represented at these camps right now. Once the group got there, they dropped off their donations and set up camp. Uh, one of our neighbors, was, two of them to the left of us, were French people that came to make a documentary and on the other side of us was a guy from California also documenting his stay. We didn't feel like foreigners just because we were from Indiana because everybody seemed to be from everywhere. We were welcomed and within four hours I learned way more than I'd learned by researching things on the internet. Friday night the group walked around the campsite interviewing people and documenting their stay. It was sort of a solemn feel. The atmosphere just seemed kind of sad. We knew we were there for a purpose, but the fact that this pipeline is being built heartlessly, these people truly felt the pain of having to still fight for their land, still fight for their culture. It was also so cold. I fell asleep outside right next to the fire with flames almost licking my face because I was just so cold. So they're going to live through really cold, harsh conditions through December, January. It was freezing for us already. We cannot imagine. And there's children there. The camp is currently planning and taking in donations for winter because many of these people are planning to stay here until March, which is when the pipeline's permit ends. During their stay, the group got to experience a powwow for the first time. We got to witness their prayer through dance and through song and it was very beautiful. It kind of gave me a new appreciation to their dress knowing that it is often appropriated by non-native people. It was very beautiful to see the real thing finally. It was 
buzz of noise and energy mm, and fire yeah. crackling and it just it's always it was it was like it was kind of overwhelming to the senses but it was also just like very kind of entrancing experiencing it with everyone at the same time I don't know I just had never seen anything really like that before we were sitting around the fire Saturday night just having a good time and it was just so hard to leave everybody who didn't want to go a lady they met named Vanessa a Navajo native gave the group a little branch of sacred pine before they left the campsite half of it we burned at the campground before we left and the other half we burned here when we got home the half there to leave a part of us at the campground and here so that we wouldn't feel too much sorrow in our hearts for leaving for the day and a half that we were there it certainly felt like we were making a legitimate change in this world and every single person that we left behind they're still making an impact on the community over there and just love each other as human beings. And then you come back here and no one knows a thing about what's actually going on. I sat down with Heather Williams, a Puyallup native and department secretary of the First Nations Cultural Center here at IU, to further discuss this issue and its significance. Well, I think the Dakota Access Pipeline is, is, a, is a contemporary issue that's relevant to not just me, not just Native people, but to everyone because it's a water issue and everybody needs water. One important thing to know is that the people staying at these camps who are opposed to the pipeline being built are called water protectors because they are peacefully trying to protect the water and the land. Nobody is forced to do anything they don't want to, but there have been volunteers to trespass on the construction land, knowing that of the possibility that they may get arrested. But their direct actions are very peaceful. They just they just want to go out and pray for their land. Their motto is, we're protectors, we're mindful, and we're prayerful. So their, their main goal is they're trying to accomplish this through prayer and goodwill. The group also talked about the media's role in covering the Dakota pipeline. Yeah, yeah peaceful. so yeah. peaceful. And people are they're just walking, they're just being together, singing, and the media has framed it in such a negative right. light. When you enter the camp, there's a big sign that says, we are unarmed. That's something that they, are, they really yeah. want people to know and that the media is not covering. For example, of how peaceful they are, they don't even want you wearing face masks for tear gas and pepper spray because they don't want you to approach their direct actions, their prayer ceremonies, with the expectation that we will be attacked. They, Their main goal is to pray and protect their water, and what happens, happens. They do not want to give off the impression that they're ready for a riot because it's not a riot. They want to keep that story very local and not spread because I think if there was a critical mass of people who felt that their water protectors were in the right, then then the media would have no choice but to back them. So I think as long as everyone is either oblivious or thinks that the native protectors are violent and belligerent, then they can go on, they can keep ignoring it. To hear more about this issue, the First Nations Cultural Center will be hosting a discussion on Tuesday, October 25th at 6 p.m. So we're going to have three three panelists here with all different areas of discipline that will be able to discuss the protectors, fight against the pipeline, and things like water rights, indigenous water rights, what nonviolent direct action looks like and means. There's going to be a lot of different faucets of the conversation going on that night, and we're trying to educate people beyond the water is good, oil is bad rhetoric. We want to 
give details and have an in-depth conversation on what this major current issue in Native Country is all about. For more information on how you can donate and stay updated, visit sacredstone.org. There are links to legal support and camp support. You can also visit Sacred Stone Camp or Red Warrior Camp on Facebook. Here at the First Nation Center, we're always collecting donations and always have the door open for people to bring things in, and we get it up to Standing Rock one way or another. We learn to respect their culture, and we learn to appreciate it because they have so much to offer. They're very humble, and they don't feel violence or anger to the pipeline workers. They're just peaceful, and they just want to protect what they have left. But I think that it's experiences like this that will help people understand where they're coming from and understand what we can do to help them out. Anybody can be an activist. It is important to stand up for what you care for. If you're passionate about something, pursue it. And if you believe in something, stand up for it because... We didn't think that, we thought it was ridiculous for in two weeks to get up and go across the states to stand up against the Dakota Access Pipeline, but we did it. For American Student Radio in Bloomington, I'm Maggie Tully.